You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome into the EPA podcast. I am your host today, Shane Half. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Shane Half NFL. I'm flying solo in the host chair today, uh, unable to connect with Victor for this episode. But I wanted to hop on the mic and give you guys my thoughts after watching the All-22 film because some of my perceptions did change from the uh, instant reaction show uh, for the Eagles-Vikings game and then give you a bit of a preview uh, what to look for when the Eagles play the Buccaneers on Monday Night Football. So let's dive right in. Uh, I thought the Eagles were fortunate in this game. You know, the first half didn't really go according to plan against the Vikings and The Vikings were driving down the field right before halftime with a chance to take the lead. And you get Justin Jefferson reaching for the pylon, fumbles the ball out of the end zone. And I think that's one of the dumbest rules in the NFL, to be honest. It's something I'm on record uh, talking about. And in fact, uh, each offseason, I do a chalk talk episode where I propose rule changes for the NFL. And this is one of the rules I propose changing this offseason. It just doesn't make any sense to me that if you fumble the ball out of bounds six inches earlier, you retain possession, but six inches later, over the top of the pylon, all of a sudden it's a touchback. I just think that's a bad rule, but I won't complain about it because it majorly benefited the Eagles in this game. It it took what could have been what probably would have been a touchdown for the Vikings. It's pretty unlikely on first and goal from the six-inch line you're going to hold a team out. And the Eagles flipped the script off the touchback. They go get a 61-yard field goal by Jake Elliott, which by the way, the Eagles are 1-0 in Super Bowls in seasons in which Jake Elliott hits a 61-yard field goal. So thank Jake Elliott. The Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. Uh, You heard it here first, but the Eagles get the field goal um, and it turned what could have been a 14-10 situation with the Vikings having the lead and getting the ball back after halftime uh, with the courtesy of the strip sack by Josh Sweat and a quick touchdown. It turned that into a 20-7 game for the Eagles in a blink. And it really felt like the game was over at that moment. Now I know it came down to an onside kick at the end, but the Eagles really felt in control of that game uh, once that happened. So beneficiaries of a little bit of luck there, uh, but sometimes you make your own fortunes and the strip sack definitely isn't just a luck thing. So uh, that was a great sequence for the Eagles, but uh, let's start off talking Minnesota offense versus the Eagles defense. Uh, Josh Sweat was a monster in this game. He had the aforementioned strip sack. He had eight pressures. Uh, he's playing at an incredible level this season. And Hassan Reddick hasn't really been anywhere to be seen. Uh, he's shown up in box scores with one total tackle so far this season. And, you know, that's not ideal for a guy that was in conversation for defensive player of the year last year. But I think mostly that comes down to his thumb injury. Uh, harder for him to rush the passer with that thumb. Maybe also some conditioning things related to having been out with that thumb. And so I expect him to pick it up. You know, last year through two games, he also didn't have a sack. So 
I think Hassan Reddick will get going as the season goes on. Uh, and so although the edge rushing outside of sweat, it hasn't been great. The interior of the pass rush has been incredible. Uh, the Eagles currently have three defensive tackles in the top 14 uh, in pass rush win rate. Jalen Carter has lived up to all of the billing. He has a 17.9% pressure rate through two games. And that would have ranked first in the NFL last year. Uh, the actual first place last year in the NFL was 14% uh, by Javon Hargrave. So, I mean, it's early in early in the year, and Javon Hargrave's a great player. But so far, Jalen Carter has been a younger, cheaper Javon Hargrave. He's better against the run. He's been better as a pass rusher. And so uh, Jordan Davis looked really good. There was one play that I tweeted out where he just basically manhandled the guard back into Kirk Cousins as he's trying to drop back and tripped him up. And uh, Jordan Davis has looked really good in small snap counts. The big thing to watch with Jordan Davis is if he wears down as the season goes on, it's just hard at that size uh, to play at that level all season. And so he's been uh, conditioning has been a concern throughout college. Hopefully his play doesn't taper off as the season goes along. But I think the Eagles will be able to spell him throughout the season. They, they've utilized a lot of uh, rotation on the defensive line, uh, especially at the defensive tackle position. Uh, you look at the snap counts for this week, and it, it's pretty it's pretty spread out. Fletcher Cox played 44 snaps, which, in my opinion, is too much. I would like to see him play a little less so he doesn't wear down. But Jalen Carter, 28. Milton Williams, 23. Jordan Davis, 17 snaps. And so, uh, you know, it's good to see some rotation there. I would like to see them spell Cox in favor of, you know, Carter and Davis a little more. But as long as you can keep some sort of uh, rotation there. And maybe you go heavy in this game because you get the mini buy now. Not only a couple extra days, you also get the extra because you play on Monday night football. And so uh, that's just something to monitor. But the Eagles pass rush has been incredible so far this season. The linebackers, I also thought looked a lot better in this game. Now, that's maybe troubling because Nicobe Dean was out. And I thought the linebacker core looked a lot better with Nicobe Dean gone. I didn't notice Nicobe Dean as a negative factor in the first game, uh, but Nicholas Morrow played really well. They used Morrow uh, to blitz. Uh, he got a, he racked up a couple of pressures. He got three tackles. Uh, he got a QB hit. I thought he was used really well in his role. I think Zach Cunningham is still a problem. Uh, he's good in the run game. He was picked on in coverage. He ended the day with eight tackles and a tackle for loss, but uh, the Vikings very much look to pick on him in coverage throughout this game. So I was initially worried about Nicobe Dean and Nicholas Morrow playing beside each other in the offseason when I thought that was the plan because of how the Eagles struggled with the run last year. This year they've been able to shut the run down pretty good, and I would be interested to see Dean and Morrow next to each other if Morrow continues to play this well at later when Dean comes off of IR. When you look at safeties, I thought Justin Evans also had a better game. I was very down on Justin Evans after the first game, but I thought he played pretty well in week two. Terrell Edmonds, on the other hand, playing in place of Reed Blankenship, who was out with injury. I did not think he had a good game. So, uh, But Evans taking a step forward is good news because if you can get quality safety play out of Evans opposite Reed Blankenship, that will help shore up the back end of this defense quite a bit. So Avante Maddox goes out in this game. Uh, and you're playing extremely shorthanded 
And unfortunately, Avante Maddox is probably going to be done for the season with a pec injury. I don't think that's been confirmed yet. But I thought Josh Job played really well on the outside. Uh, on, on the big touchdown that he gave up, that post route, he he could have had safety help on the inside. It was I believe it was Edmonds was the safety. He was responsible for the number three receiver, which happened to be the tight end if he went vertical and he ran a dig route. And so he had to cover that, and Josh Job was then on an island when he was maybe expecting to have some inside help. Not the worst thing. It was still pretty good coverage. Unfortunately, you got to get the guy on the ground. Don't go for the punch out in that situation. I thought that was his biggest mistake. But I thought he acquitted himself very well, uh, largely against Jordan Addison. I thought Mario Goodrich looked kind of lost. Now, that's maybe not fair because Josh Job knew he was starting throughout the week and was taking starter reps and Mario Goodrich was thrust into the action, but I thought he struggled in the game. And I, I mentioned this on the post game show and I stick by this, especially against the um, Buccaneers on Monday night who will use Mike Evans in the slot. Some, I think you want James Bradbury in the slot for now and that you want to keep Josh Job on the outside. You can't put Job in the slot. Rick's Ringo. Those guys can't play in the slot. So it comes down to would you rather have Josh Job outside or would you rather have Mario Goodrich in the slot? I would rather get Josh Job on the field. I think he's your fourth best corner. So uh, I'll be interested to see how the Eagles handle that. Uh, I will say one last note on the Vikings offense. Uh, the most Kirk Cousins stat of all time, the, the king of empty stats. He's the first quarterback in NFL history with over 700 yards passing, over a 70% completion percentage who has been 0-2 through two games. So most Kirk Cousins stat I've ever seen or heard. Uh, shout out to Kirk Cousins for that one. So now let's flip the page and let's talk the Philly offense versus the Minnesota defense. Um, obviously, the story of this game was the rushing attack. They had 19 rushing first downs versus zero rushing first downs for Minnesota. DeAndre Swift had 28 carries for 175 yards. He had 41 rushing yards over expectation. He had the eighth highest success rate by any player with 25 or more carries since 2016. And he's doing it a lot with uh, yardage before the con before contact. The offensive line was blocking it up great. Uh, he, he is third in the league in yards before contact with 75, despite only having one carry in week one. And so, Obviously, the offensive line has a big part of it, but I also thought he was very decisive as a runner. I thought he displayed really good vision, and he broke some tackles. He's ninth in the NFL in yards after contact, despite only playing one game. And so uh, DeAndre Swift, I thought, had a really good game. Uh, and part of the reason they were able to run so well is the way the Vikings were playing the playing on defense. Uh, the Vikings were throwing the kitchen sink at the Eagles. They had a max blitz rate of over 40% in this game, but they also had a drop eight rate of over 40%. There hasn't been a game where any team has had a higher rate of either in the last three seasons. And so Brian Flores was throwing the kitchen sink at the Eagles. And one of the things that they really liked to do uh, was to mug the A-gaps. So the gap between the center and the guard with linebackers, that kicks your defensive tackles out to the B-gap between the guard and the offensive tackle. And so that gives you a lot of room to get J Jason Kelsey loves to climb and get to the second level and get on linebackers. So does Cam Jurgens. But now when you're putting those guys directly over them where they can just do it, the Eagles feasted 
on that look. I put up an all 22 video here on the, the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel. So if you're listening to the BGN podcast feed, uh, you can check this out on my Twitter or on the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube page. Be sure and subscribe. I'll have these coming out all year. But I talked about how the Eagles handled the blitz both from a passing standpoint and from a rushing standpoint. And I thought they handled it really well. Last year, the book was out on Hertz and the offense, and it was that you blitz this team to get them off balance. And I saw a lot of adjustments as the game went along here. Uh, Jalen Hurts ended the game 8 of 11 for 153 yards and a touchdown against the Blitz. And so the Blitz wasn't nearly as big of a factor for the Eagles in this game. And so it's good to see Brian Johnson and Jalen Hurts getting their heads together, starting to uh, come up with answers against opposing teams blitzing. Now, against Max Drop, against Aiden coverage, Hertz was 10 of 12 for 40 yards and an interception. So that may be the next thing that the Eagles have to work on is what to do against teams that are only going to rush three. Uh, but for now, we'll leave it at the Eagles are making strides working against the Blitz. Now, the passing game still hasn't been quite on point, but I think people would feel really differently about this passing performance if either of the A.J. Brown touchdowns had counted. Uh, obviously you have the Rashad Penny holding that I don't really think was a holding. And then you have the one that's just inches off to AJ Brown a few plays later, where I would argue there was pass interference that slowed them up and made Jalen Hurts overthrow that. If that hits all of a sudden you're 19 of 23 passing for uh, over 200 yards and two touchdowns. And I think people would feel a lot better about that performance. So overall uh, growth from the offense, I thought um, I will say, when they scored that touchdown to go up 12 and then chose to kick an extra point to go up 13, not going for two, that was a bad decision. And it could have cost the Eagles the game. If, if the Vikings recover that onside kick, all of a sudden they've got the ball with a little over a minute left and you're only up six. And so that was a really bad decision. I would be curious to know why the Eagles didn't go for two there. Uh, it really felt to me like it was just something that they got caught up in the heat of the moment and didn't think about. And, Typically, this is a forward-thinking organization when it comes to that. Uh, so hopefully that's not something that we see moving forward. I would like to see more analytically sound decisions. So that's going to about wrap it up here for uh, the Eagles-Vikings game. Uh, we're going to throw it to a quick break, and when we come back, we will talk Eagles versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Be right back. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
And we are back here on the EPA podcast, previewing the Eagles game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday night football. Let's start out talking about the Tampa Bay offense against this Philadelphia defense. Baker Mayfield is off to a great start for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he's got a lot of talent to work with. Uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, both really good receivers. Both guys can be used in the slot. Godwin is there more in the slot, but uh, Evans will be in the slot as well at times. And Avante Maddox is gone. And I mentioned this earlier, but I think James Bradbury should be following Mike Evans. And if that means that he goes into the slot, I think you do that. Uh, maybe moving forward, you want to try to get Sidney Brown, the rookie in the slot, because he played in the slot or in the box a lot when he was in college. He's a good run defender. Uh, he's a big hitter. So maybe you get him on the field in that way. But for this game, I think you put Bradbury in the slot. This should be another game where the pass rush can tee off. Uh, right guard Cody Mock is a rookie second round pick out of North Dakota State where he played offensive tackle. So he's not only moving from FCS to the NFL, but he's also changing positions from right tackle to right guard. And he's been solid as a pass blocker uh, so far through two games. He does struggle as a run blocker. Uh, I think he's going to struggle as a pass blocker against the Eagles interior pass rush as well. And they also have a right tackle, Luke Godeke, who was a second round pick in 2022. He played left guard last year as a rookie, and he really struggled. And so he is switching positions after last year. And in two games, he's given up one sack and drawn three flags. Uh, so the Eagles have the pass rush to be able to tee off against this. Three of the top 14 defensive tackles and pass rush win rate. Hassan Reddick gets a favorable matchup against Luke Godeke. And then you've got Josh Sweat is going to be rushing against Tristan Wirfs, who's one of the best left tackles. And well, he's one of the best right tackles in the NFL. He switched to left tackle uh, for this season. And so uh, it will be interesting to see if Josh Sweat can take advantage of him uh, being in the process of switching sides of the offensive line. But you're going to want the pass rush to win to help cover up some of the deficiencies in the secondary. Hopefully Reed Blankenship is back. Hopefully Justin Evans plays more like he did in week two, but the Eagles are still got some, they've got some weaknesses in the secondary that I think you can exploit, especially since Tampa Bay ranks 26th in pass block win rate and 28th in run block win rate. So there are good matchups to be had uh, here in this game. However, I will say Baker Mayfield has been good at not taking sacks so far. He didn't take a sack last week. Uh, through two games, he's 2-0, and and he hasn't thrown an interception, something Tom Brady never did with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So uh, Baker Mayfield's off to a hot start. The one place their offense has struggled is in the red zone. They have only scored a touchdown on 33% of their possessions, uh, which ranks very low in the league. That's all the way down at 30th. And so this is not a team that does a good job of punching the ball in in the red zone which means it's going to be a really interesting matchup to watch because the Eagles actually have really struggled this year in the red zone. You talk about uh, their defensive rankings in the red zone. They have given up a touchdown on 75% of red zone opportunities, which is tied for 27th in the league. So the Buccaneers have one of the worst red zone offenses. The Eagles have one of the worst red zone defenses. It'd be interesting to see who wins that battle. Another thing to watch out for is that Tampa Bay runs a lot of heavy personnel. Uh, they have taken 32% of their snaps in 12 personnel, which is one running back, two tight ends on the field. They've taken 
13 or 12% of their snaps in 13 personnel, which is one running back, three tight ends. And those are the fourth and sixth highest numbers in the league, respectively. Now, the Eagles are thin at linebacker, right? Nicobe Dean's out. You've got uh, your two starters. You've got Christian Ellis would be the first guy off the bench. And so they may try to go heavy personnel a lot in this game to exploit, to try to force the Eagles into three linebackers on the field. Uh, so hopefully the Eagles will be able to stop the run, which the Buccaneers aren't very good at, but hopefully they'll be able to stand up to it without having to get into base personnel on the defense. Flipping the page and looking at the offense, uh, this is the defense that exposed Jalen Hurts in 2021. You know, in 2021, the Eagles went to this run-heavy attack and they powered through the end of the schedule and made it to the playoffs and they got embarrassed in the wild card round by this Todd Bowles defense. Now, Jalen Hurts is a different player now. Back then, you know, they were trying to force him left because he couldn't throw to the left. Everything was to the right, and they had answers for the read option. They were attacking the mesh point and looping a linebacker behind, and they've got a lot of speed at linebacker to be able to do things like that. Bowles is a good defensive coach, but Jalen Hurts is a different player now. Now, Jalen Hurts has struggled early in this season so far. Uh, Bill Belichick and to Brian Flores and to Todd Bowles isn't a good recipe uh, to feel great about your offense after three weeks. But I think coming off of the bye week, uh, you've got the oh, – it's not a bye, but you know what I mean, 11 days off. I think the Eagles are going to have time to get in the film room, to make some adjustments, and I really do expect a good performance from this offense. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to watch the rushing attack for the Eagles. It's something they leaned on against the Blitz with the Vikings. Tampa has the fourth best EPA per rush in the NFL right now. Now they have played two really bad rushing teams in the Bears and uh, the Vikings, but their run stop win rate is only 22nd in the league. So I do think you can run on this team despite the fact they've had two really good games on the ground. Uh, they do run three base three, four a lot, 37% of their snaps, which is the second most in the league. They also have the second highest stacked box rate in the league. And so they're going to dare you to throw the ball. They're going to get up. They're going to be aggressive. They blitz on 43% of their snaps, which is the second most. And they sit in zone coverage on 87% of their snaps this year, which is by far the highest number in the league. I think this could be a Dallas Goddard game. Uh, Dallas Goddard had no catches in week one. Hertz missed him on a few that could have been big gainers. In week two, I think he had six catches, but it was only for 22 yards. And he was really involved in the rushing attack. He was doing the dirty work, uh, blocking, setting up DeAndre Swift's great game. I think this is the game that uh, Dallas Goddard gets paid off. He's so good against zone coverage. He's so good at feeling where the zones are and finding the empty space. Uh, I think there's going to be an effort to get him the ball back. I would also really like to see this tight end, the tight end screen come back. I, I thought that was one of Goddard's best plays last year was that little tight end screen and we haven't seen it this year so i'm calling for a big dallas goddard game on monday night football in prime time make people realize how good of a tight end that dallas goddard really is i'm feeling pretty good about this game uh, given the extra time to get ready i think the eagles injury issues will mostly go away i think a lot of their schematic little just hitches that they've run into over the last two or the first two games will start to go away and I predict the Eagles to go into Tampa, and I think they're going to roll. 31-13 Eagles is my official score prediction. I hope you guys enjoyed this solo episode of the EPA podcast. 
quite a bit shorter here without Victor to bounce ideas and thoughts off of. Uh, but I did want to get on the mic and just update you guys on some of my things after watching the All-22 film and give you a bit of a preview. So uh, if you enjoyed this episode, smash that subscribe button, uh, turn on your notifications so you don't miss any of the shows in the BGN radio feed. There's lots of great shows, BGN radio, Babes on Broad, Eye on the Enemy. All of those shows are going to be coming out throughout the week, uh, reacting to last week's game and getting you ready for another Monday night football matchup. So I will be back uh, after that game on the Instant Reaction Show. So you guys be sure and check that out on YouTube immediately after the game. I'll be live with Jess and Victor and Rachel, uh, and we'll talk you through what we just saw happen uh, as hopefully the Eagles dismantle the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.